Hello, and welcome to this episode of Special Ed Rising, the podcast, No Parent Left Behind, the show that speaks to parents and caregivers on topics related to the world of exceptional needs and related educational services. If you crave knowledge and support in a low-stress environment, then you've come to the right place. I'm Mark, and I have 34 years of experience teaching kids and coaching parents, and I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope this podcast can inspire you to face your days more confidently, stirring a greater sense of self-love, mindfulness, and outpouring of goodness, and positive role modeling for your children. Always keep you and your mental, physical, and if you're inclined, spiritual health in mind. Health in these areas will allow you to be all you hope to be for them. Today, I am honored and excited to visit with my dear friend and former mentor for my years in the classroom, Dr. Barry McNamara, Professor of Special Education. Barry McNamara is an expert in special education, learning disabilities, behavior management, and bullying. He has published widely in professional journals and other publications, and is the author of a number of books. He is the co-author of Keys to Parenting a Child with ADD, Keys to Parenting a Child with a Learning Disability, and Keys to Dealing with Bullies. He is the author of three textbooks in special education, including the most recent, Learning Disabilities, Bridging the Gap Between Research and Classroom Practice. These books have been translated respectively into Chinese, Japanese, and Korean. Barry has given innumerable presentations to national, state, and local professional organizations, and is a consultant to many school districts throughout the United States. His current consulting activities include developing and implementing co-teaching programs for collaborative classes, developing and implementing behavioral interventions, and providing training on the identification and treatment of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. I am eager for you to experience his knowledge in the specific area of dealing with behavior issues in the home and at school. So let's all get a little smarter and chalk up another win by welcoming my friend, Dr. Barry McNamara. Hey, Barry McNamara. Welcome. Hi, Mark. How are you? <laughs> good. How are you Very doing? Very good. Thank you. Good. I really, really appreciate you coming on the show. It's going to boost my, uh, my <laughs> ratings. You know, it's like you know. <laughs> this to this. It's going to be great. <laughs> I'll, I'll try. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We do the best we can. This is, all, this is all made up as I go along on this end. But that's so good. Give it a mm -hmm. shot. You know, uh, my interest in the show is basically my work with the parents that I'm doing now is to kind of like manage a lot of the challenges that they're having in the home and specifically focused on behaviors. Mm -hmm. I mean, I work trying to deal with daily you know, living skills and management, routine, schedules, that kind of stuff. But when it comes to like the bigger issues of behavior, <clears throat> that's where obviously parents really have a hard time. And, you know, when I was in the classroom, you had this tangential connection with the parents. You know, you weren't in mm -hmm. the home, so you just saw this side of it. But now that I've been on the mm -hmm. other side, I see a lot more you know, of the realities of what's going on for them. So, um, you know, because of, you know, my connection to you all those years mm -hmm. ago, you were my mentor. That's the way nice. I looked at you, you know, and pretty much everything that I learned behavior management wise came from you. you. Um, and, uh, you know, the work we did together gave me the confidence to be able to do it mm -hmm. on my own. And um, so now on this end of, end of, this end of my life at this point, <laughs> not the right. end of life, end of life. Um, you know, it just feels like to have you to touch base with again, 
as I pursue more what mm -hmm. you were doing for me, um, not necessarily that I'm mentoring uh, other teachers, but just that I'm trying to educate parents. And I just feel like it would be, you know, this is a coup for me well, to have you on, to have somebody with your be. background and knowledge. Um, and uh, I just have like 48 questions. I got the answer to them. <laughs> well, why don't I just not ask them and you just start I have answering them? That's right. I've, I've been accused <laughs> of thinking I have all the answers, so. <laughs> so. And in this case, I, I gave you the so questions ahead of time, so you can right. actually have all the answers. Okay. All right, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna dive sure. into it, but maybe just give me a, a quick synopsis of what you're, what you've kind of done as, as in a global effect over your career and where you're at sure. now. My, my yeah. primary responsibility has been college professor. I've been a college professor since 1976. Uh, in mm -hmm. my doctorate's in learning disabilities, but along the way, I went to Kansas University, which at that point was literally called the world capital of applied behavior analysis, not to discrete trials, but in general behavior. The leaders in the field. Well, all professors at the University of Kansas. It's got Ogden Lindsay, wow. Arvind Hall, Montrose Wolf, all of these. They were remarkable. So even though my degree was in LD, there was no escaping behaviorism at KU. That they, they, <laughs> everyone got there. I didn't know what it was, but I just right away felt an affinity with it. It just, it just was consistent with the way I saw the world. Uh, not a radical behaviorist, and they were not. They were very, very humanistic, actually. Uh, but so when I went to my doctorate in learning disabilities, people at Teachers College reinforced that. They liked the fact that I had that background. So in some cases, that could have been a problem. They would have wanted, because they were not, again, we're talking in the early 70s where people were not positively disposed towards behaviorism. Uh, but they were very yeah, welcoming. Right. So even throughout the doctoral program, if there was a behavioral issue with a student in our clinic, or they would ask me to go to the family's home. So early on, I had an exposure to going to the home, which was so beneficial. Uh, and then, so when I, when I had time, to engage in some work privately, I would always see parents in home because I think if it's, it's a more natural setting, it's low structure, it's not contrived. It, I always find it funny, like when the third, third or fourth session with the parents, they would say, so you're not changing his behavior, you're changing our behavior. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. And I would tell them, exactly. like, and I would say to them early on, if you, say eight sessions, if it can't be done by that, then it, for whatever reason, I'm not blaming them and not trying to establish culpability, but some people have a difficult time doing it. And so right. that, that was, that's what it saw. So that was, it was very reinforcing to do that, to go into the home. I agree. I mean, it's changed, it's changed my perspective entirely. I mean, to see what parents are really right. up against on the daily, you know? Um, so it really changes the kind of blind perspective you have when you're in right. the classroom. Um, and what you think, oh my gosh, these parents aren't doing this, they're not doing I'm so that. sick of that. <laughs> so I tell my students, like, I don't want to hear, you know, you go home and spend a weekend with them. Uh, yeah, there's a group yeah, of, exactly. uh, still, it's called uh, Mothers from Hell. Uh, it's a group of parents <laughs> in California. When they attend IEP meetings, this is true, they, it's tongue-in-cheek, uh -huh. but they, a, they literally keep track of the number of negative comments that people around the table make. And then they say the one with the most gets the prize. They get to take their kid home for the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but they make a very good point. Like It's easy to sit there yeah. and tell people. One of the first things I did with students who happened to be deaf at Lexington, they were on a strike when I was first hired as a behavioral consultant there. So the parents are home. So, uh, What year was that? Was that like uh, the late 80s? No, that was uh, probably the early, late 70s, early 80s. Oh, yeah. okay. So it didn't coincide with what was going on at Gallatin? No, 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 no. In fact, the kid that was okay. one of the kid, kid, young man at that point, was one of the major advocates at Gallaudet, was a student at Lexington. Well, yeah, yeah. Time. So there was a, there was a oh, special wow. unit for kids with 
They said they were on the spectrum. It wasn't always verified, but they had behavioral issues to be sure. But kids weren't there. So we had three five-year-old kids who were in state institutions work back. And the guy that was a supervisor, this is probably uh, crossing union lines, uh, but he said, can you make a home visit? Like it, and even mm -hmm. everyone agreed. It's, the parents are in such dire straits uh, for these little three right. or five-year-old kids who were deaf and on the spectrum. So I visited this parent. I, and, <laughs> you know, had all the answers. I knew just what to do. I mean, literally, I knew just what would work for this guy. Uh, Really? Like lock the kitchen, uh, do I? <laughs> and the mother, thank God, she was sweet. She said, "Oh, that that sounds great, right? I can't lock the kitchen. I can't close the door and not let him in there at all. I can't put a lock on the refrigerator." And right, and I, right, you know, right. and then we had we still at back. He's forty something years old. I'm still in contact with the mother. Uh, we had a great really? relationship, yep. but she she was wonderful. The father had a hard time, but I don't blame him. It was difficult because yeah. he engaged in severe negative behavior. Uh, people in the apartment building wanted to throw them out. He would bang on walls all night long, get out of bed so frequently. But, you know, yeah. again, there are very good behavioral principles that, that would work if they were in an institutional setting, not in a household. So we had to figure out this is good behavior, but this is what we can get away with and the parent, what the parents can do and feel comfortable with. But that stuck with me to this day, that when I go into someone's home, I'm, I'm a guest in their home. And, you know, right. yes, I like to see what's going on and figure out some ways in which you can change things. And most parents, when they, especially when they're paying for this, they, they do follow through for the most part. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know. That's true, because I find, you know, when the district's paying for yeah. it. Or somebody no. else is paying for it. It's easy for parents to kind of miss meetings yeah, in the sessions. That's true with therapy in um, general. They say that you know these yeah. low cost and no cost are not as effective. Some, some, not a yeah. lot, but you know. So I had a professor. Can yeah, I mean, I have some great parents that do. Follow I pay, uh, yeah, most of my. I mean, one of my mother said, "Like you're lucky. You work with people they like." I said, "Yeah, it just works out that way. You know, you just have to build a relationship, yeah. and it is nice." But Kansas University they had a four week course on behavior management for parents. It cost sixty dollars. Both parents had to come. Those were days when you could say that uh, again. And okay. if you came to every, everyone you came to, they gave you back $15. And then if you came to all of them, they give a bonus of another 15 So you made money if you went to all four sessions. Oh, that's yeah. great. So they that's used all of the incentives. I had a father that said to me once, like, why don't you uh, charge us less when we carry out your programs? Because I said to him once, he was a very nice, we had nice I said, you know, I'm going to charge you double when you don't listen to me. Like, you don't do anything I say, you're paying. Money wasn't an issue for him. It really, literally wasn't an issue. And I said, you know. But that's the barrier yeah, I, I said, know. I said, double. <laughs> I'll double it. I can't live. And he and he would laugh about it, and he would try little by little, and he was good. And again, it is it is so difficult at home. Then I also to have yeah. access, like you tell a parent whose kid uh, comes out 15 times a night out of the bed, and you tell him put him back in bed every time. Don't discuss. You know, sounds great on paper. I know it works. There's research to support it, but you're not there at three in the morning. Yeah. One mother said, "Yeah, I'm sorry." One mother, one no, mother said, Go ahead. Go ahead. "said uh, thank me, Barry, because." Tony at three o'clock in the morning was ready to call you up and say, "You get over here and you put him, you put him back in the bed." See? But I would, I would always you. say that one of the questions you asked at the end, of one of the things like, uh, you know, what are some characteristics of people that do this? I, it's hard to come up with. One mm -hmm. thing I kept on thinking about, and, and being with parents, as per these remarks, were to be humble. Like it, I can write a paper on what could be done, and I can do a case study, you know, just what will work. But then you're going into their house. And you're doing things in their household, uh, and you're asking parents to change their routines, and then they have siblings. You know, it's very hard. I had a kid once told me, he said, I've been doing homework for six years. I get bupkis, nothing. And my brother gets all these rewards for doing homework two nights a week, you know. 
that's hard. Mm -hmm. You know, it's difficult. Absolutely. That whole sibling aspect of it is very, very, it's a whole other dimension. It is, it is. And then parents have a hard time with that too. Sometimes they put a burden on those kids. Right. And then, yeah. And then they, because they feel guilty, they're not paying enough attention to their one child who has, you know, greater needs in certain right. areas, but yeah, I mean, it's unintentional neglect, but it happens, and, and the kids There was a it. kid that said once, when, with his parent, he goes, I wish I was deaf, yeah. and the parent didn't go went crazy. I said, but you know what he's saying? I mean, he's getting, his brother's getting so much attention, he doesn't mean it, but he, so, but yeah. there are ways to solve that, because that kid doesn't need as much reinforcement, but he needs some reinforcement, everyone needs some Absolutely. reinforcement. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Try, you know, trying to get the families together, mm-hmm. with this, all the siblings together, to kind of like, maybe contribute a right. little bit and get right. back. Exactly. You know? exactly. So they're part of the, they're part of it. So it's not just completely no. separate. You know, we've got to take care of your sibling now. Go do right. this. But if you can help a little bit, you can get connected to the sibling and then we're, we're all about Right. You. Exactly. You know, exactly. So. It's a tar, a colleague of mine who had uh, polio many years ago. Now it's being discussed again, which is crazy. It's I back know. again. And yeah, uh, so she was, she, crutches and canes and many, many business doctors you can imagine. But and they had like mm-hmm. five kids in the family, but mm-hmm. the parents always brought one kid with them when they went to the doctor's office. So every one of the siblings was involved in some way in helping out and felt included. And there was you know, that's not easy to do, uh, but things like that work. And some of the things are relatively simple. You mentioned early on the typical routines. I find when I work with parents, if I had to list all the issues that I've dealt with, the most basic ones were typical routines. It was Bedtime, getting up, getting ready right. to go, and meals, like eating, all mm-hmm. those things. When you can get resolved those, yes, the other behaviors are clearly difficult. But sometimes just the structure and providing reinforcement for that, it's easier for parents to do as well. Well, that's what I've been finding. The more I've been doing this, the crux, the nuts and bolts of it is routine oh, and scheduling. So true. Get those down and with consistency. And to me, everything else kind of can follow exactly. from that point. And getting parents to be able to do that with their schedules, mm-hmm. with their other kids, I mean, it's really, really difficult. But trying to continue to cheer, cheer a parent mm-hmm. on and give hope um, and keep their head no, above right. water, yeah. you know, um, and find, make sure that they're somehow able to find some time for themselves and, and realize that they matter. And, and, and that, that when you're in a home, it's nice you can model that for them. So you can, when they're eating, I, mean, I eat meals with families and suggest some comments that they can make when the right. kid when the kid's fine for a half right. hour no one's saying a word the first thing he does wrong you're on top of him so we talk about mm-hmm. that and they're receptive to that that takes a lot i wouldn't want someone coming to my house and watch everything you do i mean i you know you oh, have gosh. to i think about that all I, the time. you have to be humble about this you know that you know this is mm-hmm. not so simple like, you may have the answer but it's hard for them to carry that yeah Right. I mean, everybody has. Right. No, I agree. I believe that. I I don't see that a lot, though. I see people saying, this is what works. I know what works. I see it all the time in assessments. Uh, They don't put it down. All the assessment results I was always taught, and I believe, are hypotheses. Isn't that Mm -hmm. a fact? These are hypotheses. And then you will affirm or reject. I'm sorry. You affirm or reject. That's your bird? <laughs> That's my bird. That's the only animal I'm not allergic to. <laughs> I'll turn it off. Pull away. I totally turn it off. No, it's fine. Uh, the uh, parents have a hard time with some of these things, but most of them will try something. Simple things in terms of routines. That's like the structure everything else falls on. Like mother recently wanted me to work on a bedroom routine, and I went through this whole spiel on just basic principles, like catch them when they're good, ignore inappropriate behaviors, be contingent, you know, don't repeat yourself. And she said, well, I, don't, I want to know. I said, no. That first, we have the framework. We can hang all these other things on that. But unless they have mm-hmm. the basic framework, they can't do it. 
And there are people that don't believe, they think it's bribing. You know, you've heard that a thousand times, right? You're, a you're thousand bribing, times, right. You know, you're not bribing. Yeah, but that's like in the moment trying to get somebody to stop doing an extreme behavior. I'll give you this just so you yeah, stop. Yeah, and, and there are times when I've done, you want, to do, you, want to, you want to stop that behavior. Then you can think of what you did afterwards. But then you can back up and start thinking about a plan that gives out rewards. Gradually. Right, and they give homework. And time to I, Some parents, and again, I, it's easier said than done. Some kids are very difficult. So I guess parents write, yeah, it's all write, down, I think we can write down everything he does from the time he gets up to the time he goes to bed that's positive. And this woman said, I can put that on an index card. I said, no, no. I said, you and your husband do it separately. And then you come together. And they were shocked at how many positive things. I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but even like getting up on time, using the restroom first, brushing your teeth, all these things. If they reinforce those gradually, they'll get the other things. But if they don't have that, right. even keeping track of your approval rate. I have parents that I ask them one of the first things to do is keep track of the number of positive comments you make towards your child. And some are very good, some just it's not part of what they're used to doing. There's no question. I mean, I've run into parents, too, where it just seems like just such a chore. They're, when you're meeting with them, they're like, okay, I'll do that, I'll do that. And then you get back and, you know, something happened, never got to it, and it just kind of just continues to, to lag and lag and lag until, you know, weeks have passed and there's been opportunities. Right, 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 time, right. You know, um, but it's a commitment. You know, it's a commitment and again, not an easy commitment um, and can be laborious. You know, when I think selling that to them at the beginning is really important from my perspective is to let them know that this is not going to be easy. But the right, more you put right, it at the beginning, right. the less it's the payoffs. No, right. the back end. And they see one, one you've right. done that until you're optimistic about it. Because that yes, was the thing I was exactly. always impressed with. You try these things out, you weren't sure it's going to work, but you're willing to try it out. Uh, and well, not exactly. everybody, yeah, everybody. I, I, st I still feel that way. Um, you know, I'm like, well, we'll give it right. a shot, you know, and that's like you said, hypotheses. It's like, let's give it a shot. And if we have to alter it, you know, surprise, right. <laughs> no, surprise, no. surprise, we have to alter something. You know, that's the name of the right. game. And some parents don't realize how they're reinforcing the wrong kind of behavior. I, I, I love the mm. beach. <laughs> uh, I like my, my skin. I, I can't go to the beach as much as I would like to. <laughs> but uh, you can hear everything. I don't know enough what that means acoustic, but I can, you can lay on the beach and you can hear conversations far away. And you hear, well, parents That's engage right. in so many negative behavior with the kids. They'll tell them, no, they can't have it. No, they can't have it. They say it 15 times and they finally give it to the kid. I want to go over to the yeah. blanket and say, you just reinforced him asking you 15 times for that ice cream. But I don't do that. Uh, but I, but, <laughs> but I do go to parents and tell them how positive they are. Every time I can. I have a funny story. I was speaking at a local SEPTA, special PTA. And the next morning, this was a long time ago, the next morning I brought my daughters into McDonald's for breakfast. Those days, McDonald's seemed appropriate. <laughs> you know, well, it was nutritious. Exactly. Yeah. That was very good. That was much better than cereal. Uh, and, and, and then they got it for getting dressed on time. Just saying. Because oh. it was yeah. my responsibility to get them out and ready on time. So we went there. It was nice. It was nice. And there was a mother with two kids in the booth next to us. This is like 7 in the morning, 7.30. And she is so reinforcing I mean, I couldn't believe it. she had a, a child with a disability and she could not have been better. I was so impressed. So yeah. naturally, at the end of breakfast, I said, you know, I have to tell you that I could not believe it positively. You don't see that too often. And I just, just wanted to say, I appreciate it and just want to reinforce you. She said, I have a story for you. I said, what? She said, I heard you speak last night at the, I won't mention the district, but it's in Nassau County. And you walked in there. I wanted to run out of the booth and hide because I knew it would be so negative towards my son.
Because <laughs> I'm constantly nagging him, like, if you don't eat that, you can't eat that, or put that part in there. So she said, but I, but I gave it a shot. You got, you got I gave it a shot. She said, and it worked. <laughs> I said, it was very uh, cool. So under duress, you know. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. Isn't that just, it's wonderful, that reinforcement, right? right? And I think it's so important to to tell these parents. We do it all the time. To reinforce it. My right friend. Because you see more negative than you do a lot more negative out oh, there. Oh, yeah. I'll be the and, you, and, and, and I get it. You know, parents are at their wit's end. I get it. But it's the work. Yes. You know, it's, you're going to put work into your job. This is part of it, you know, and, and this is, there's a way to do it that doesn't have to be torture. No, right, right. But, you know, it's going to be a little, little painful perhaps at the beginning and, and time-consuming. But again, the, the back end of it can be very rewarding. I've read articles where we're, hard, we're hardwired to look at negative behavior because it's a survival, uh, but that it really takes concerted effort to be more positive. So I get parents like risk golf counters to keep track of it. Now the technology can do so much. I have some parents that yeah. will, they'll send me some tapes that they will go on Zoom to count the number of times they're doing it. I can watch them and keep track of it and give them feedback. Uh, they, oh, need, they need some feedback on how often it's done. Because, it, no, and then I, I mean, Truth is, if they don't get, if they do that and it doesn't work, then we need to change that. And that's happened sometimes. It wasn't sufficient reinforcement. And for some kids, reinforcement is almost impossible to deliver. Yeah, absolutely. Trying to find something right. that reinforces and the one that motivates them is really difficult. And I don't know if you find this, but many times parents will tell me, and again, it's a preface these, but I, I have long-term relationships with parents and I, I just think the world of them. But mm -hmm. one mother, mm -hm. I can't find that. He, there's nothing he's willing to, nothing, nothing, nothing. So... I've heard that So one times. day we're doing something and I, I guess my Swedish fish fell out of my school bag <laughs> when I was visiting him. And they said, oh, he loves that. I said, he loves that? Six weeks? And then they said, I will bring tons. I said, I said we, we, I'm not saying he's going to get to until he's 45, but let's get him over this hump. <laughs> and that's their fear. Yes. They think it's bribery and they're going to be dependent on this. Yeah, right. they're not. They're not. You fade it out. If kids are dependent on that's that, that's awful. Exactly. Uh, we give them too much reinforcement. We don't fade it out. We don't look at the schedules, and we don't collect data. These aren't decisions right. at the top of your head. You make. I ask parents, let me let me see your charts. You know, let me see what you did. I mean, not any elaborate chart, but ABC chart or right. something simple. Count the frequencies sometime when it's easy for you. That kind of thing. Yes, right. And then they, they'll right. see if they don't see that change, it's going to be difficult. Well, I think one of the biggest things is stressing the, the, the fading. Right, you know, right, I think right. that that's confusing for people at the beginning. They think, oh, now how many reports do I have to give my kid all the time? You know, it's like, no, this is this is not an <clears throat> not an eternal right. thing. Everything is temporary. Hopefully, right. you raised so many topics and questions in, in in the last few minutes, and so I think some of my other questions relate mm. to these things. But one of the questions that came up that I was going to probably ask later on, but we're speaking about the parents and the responses and their and their responsibilities. You know, when you have a, a, a couple that's together, a mom and a dad or a dad and a dad or a mom and a mom, um, you know, oftentimes one person gets a lot of the a lot of the weight of, of mm -hmm. the responsibility. Anything you read, everything you look up, all quotes and things, all nice quotes, especially it's always about the mom, where's the dad? But you know, I have had experiences where the dad is just, he's around, but it's the mom yeah. that's taking care of everything. Do you find that to be, I guess, on average in your career, have you found that to be the case? Very frequently. Do you have an idea, like, what that's about and maybe how to kind of go yeah. about? It happens, yeah, it, it happens behavior and also happens when I do uh, learning disability assessments. 
One of the best examples of this was when I was in my doctoral program, we had a clinic at Teachers College. And this kid, they were evaluated. It was a full day evaluation. Mother and father were there. And the professor who was in charge uh, was giving the results to the parents. And this is all being videoed. Uh, and <laughs> so the, it starts out there in the table. Within five minutes, the father's sitting next to the professor and the mother's on the other side. It's a round table. Like, it looked like. My, my professor and this man were conducting the interview with his wife. Like physically, he moved away and it was startling. But that, that wow. stays with me so many times because it, it might as well be that way. Like there was, and then parents, some parents will think you're agreeing with one versus the other. You know, that, mm -hmm. that's it. And so I, sure. I, and I, sure. I have to be careful about that because sometimes they, one is right, they're, they're right, you know. Uh, or they'll say, well, it's Barry who's right. No, no, don't ask Barry who's right. No, you know, well, I don't want to be in the middle of this, you know. But I think yeah, one yeah. of the things is to give them specific responsibilities. So when I, if I'm doing data collection, I'll each one do that. But for example, write down all the rewards your child will like from the most minute to more thorough ones. Because parents have big rewards, you know, a movie, a part, no, like little things and then right. gradual menu. When I ask them to do it just in general, I'll get one that the mother typically does. Sometimes the father, most of them are. But I ask them to do it mm -hmm. separately, I get them to get involved. So I try to have any kind of homework assignments done separately. But their parents is, one mother told me, like, you'll never meet my husband. He, does, he, he doesn't mm -hmm. believe in this. He doesn't believe in it, but he's willing to do it. So, you know, I said, well, the fact that he doesn't throw me out of the house, that's a good thing. That he's willing, he's, he's willing to follow through. He'll ignore, and then I think that's helpful. But it is, it's a, it's a very difficult dynamic. But I'd give fathers more specific things that they like to do. Like one father liked reading through his job, he never could find the time, but it was very reinforcing. So we figured out a schedule, and little by little, he did more things. You know, I think that it's just that. But you know, you read all the research, even with COVID, with all responsibilities, when it's divided up. The mother tends to do everything and more. So they're working full time, they're doing school, and they're everything else, and the father doesn't. They say not because they have lack of interest, but for whatever reason, they're not equally involved. Right. However, I do find yeah. with kids with disabilities, many fathers are involved on one hand. And the other hand, you know the research, too many fathers uh, have left the family when there's a kid with a disability. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of research on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't want to push a father well, in the wrong the, direction. You know? No, of course. <laughs> you want to encourage both parents. And, and I've been lucky. There. I've been lucky. Um, and and I'd, I'd almost rather the father, you know, as long as he lets, lets you in the house, not be involved as long as he's, you're being allowed right. in the house. And I've, I've job, said that. You know, long, than to be a negative Like I'm not trying to convince him to be a scenarian behavior or something. That's when I said, I don't ask you to change you're the way, the way you mean, see the world. No, all I want to do is carry the program with your kid. So philosophically, we could talk forever, but he'll be 15 by the time we finish this conversation. So if we could just come up with these plans, and if you just wait and see what happens. Don't believe me. That's perfectly fine. If it right. doesn't work, then we can talk more. But if you if you see it being carried out, and it works, then we don't have to talk about deep philosophical issues here. You just want to change the behavior. Right, 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 right. No, I think that's really, I mean, that's really helpful. And I've had some dads that it takes some time right, to, right, right. you know. I'll be around for three years, and by the third year, all of a sudden, they're 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 popping their heads in a little yeah. bit more because they've seen that there's exactly, progress exactly. happening. You know, so some people and and moms too have to be convinced. You know, they they're immediately like, uh, I've tried this no, before. That's, uh, 
it didn't work. I'm like, well, you didn't really try You've it. You've tried so, everything. You know, I've had a three-year-old yeah. once. And mom said, I've tried everything. She's only two. She's only two. You couldn't possibly try everything. But they And I get it. They try one thing and then they move on to something else. They want very quick results. You don't get that quick results. Certain things. Like one thing I think is critical is I may want to change one behavior, but I always go with whatever the behavior the parent wants. I do the same with teachers. Like okay. some teachers, I, I want to change 15 things. But the one thing they want, I may think, man, it's not that important, but it's important to them. And if I can yeah. convince them to carry out these, use these principles and techniques as something that they want to change, they're more likely to follow through on other things. I think that's mm -hmm. a good point, the difference between the home and school yeah. when it comes yeah. to that, because those little things are the daily, you know, keeping the, keeping the right. flow of the day right. going and the management of the home and the sanity of right. it all involved, right. you know. Those little things that mean nothing, or you can get away with that school. Perhaps, you can, you can, you know, and it's more controlled, it's more structured, more predictable. Exactly, all right. those things. Right. There was a good mother who was so furious at a teacher when the teacher said, "This is like the one of the holiday breaks, one or two weeks, and you have fun and enjoy your break." <laughs> with a kid who was self-destructive and more yeah. self-injurious, and the mother went crazy and said, "Enjoy," and the teacher was offended. Yeah. I said, "Well." I get it, and I can see where you've been, but how how come you didn't provide them with some kind of pro? Next time, we'll, we'll map out something very clearly. There's seven days. We'll figure out a program, give them a schedule, tell them what to do, be available. Yeah. And now with texting, you can do anything, but those days, they didn't have that. But I think you need to provide right. them with structure. Those parents that do yeah. well, do well. I did see parents, back to school shopping is a nightmare for most families. And usually a friend of mine used to say him, his wife, and daughter would go into the store and the old the three of them would leave through different doors when they were going home. <laughs> that it was that, but we were coming out of some store in New Jersey years ago. And this mother and father, uh, with two little guys, uh, I don't know what, what the issues were, but their mother was reinforcing them so well. And when you get in the car, then you get one of these little I mean it was it was impressive. So naturally, mm -hmm. we stopped him and said, you know, you're just, you're just so impressive what you're doing. She said, you know, I was a wreck. I knew I couldn't deal with this. We had summer camp until like a week ago. Uh, and the teacher who we had over the summer gave us a whole program to carry out for that whole week. And that doesn't take a lot for a teacher. I mean, they, that's something you yeah. do ordinarily. Yeah. You know what to do. But that was a godsend for the right. parent. And she was able yeah. to follow through on it. She felt good about it. And it meant she needed it. She that's felt wonderful. very secure. And a lot of schools do that. You know, more likely in more control settings with kids with more significant disabilities. But I think every, right, right. I mean, parents need something uh, to guide them in that way. No, I agree. And I'm guilty of it too, being those, the teacher for those earlier <laughs> years, being like, okay, have a great vacation. I walk away and go, no, no. <laughs> it's just like, you know, it, it bounces right back to me going, well, you know, now they have to be with their kid all day through all the things that I have to do, you know, right. baby, it was the pop up three and four hours of the day. This is a, a week to two weeks. I did have one kid, though. Before. This kid that I love, the kid I'm still in contact, I'm in contact with his mother. Uh, he, his mother used to say, he, he vacations beautifully. <laughs> he would go on vacation, no behavioral issues, and because no demands were being made. And he, he loved swimming. Yes. They, they would go to beautiful places uh, and the resorts. And, the bar, and he did all of this stuff. He went swimming, mm -hmm. and he, he liked eating. Things worked out well. No structure. He went to bed when he went to bed. You, know, you can't do that, typically. But he said every vacation he was wonderful. <laughs> but that that is rare. Yeah, that's rare. Well, you know, there's a couple of questions sure. that come to mind. One being, I've had, I've started working with clients who are like 16, 17 mm -hmm. years old that have been these behaviors have kind of been ingrained, and the parents haven't had any any help coming to the home, and now I'm there, and 
it seems like, well, certainly you feel like, well, if it could have started sooner, some of these behaviors right, might have right, eventually right. happened. Um, but is it, is it ever in your mind too late to really eliminate yeah, certain was, types of behaviors yeah. that have been in I think that was a good so question. Long? It depends on how frequently they're reinforced. Some are not reinforced that often, mm -hmm. which is surprising. And some are minor, like one parent of a 15-year-old said, he won't do anything unless I give him something for it. I say, take the garbage out. He says, what do, you, what do I get? I said, well, that you taught him that. He didn't come into the world with that. And so, you know, we have to think about fading that out. Uh, I don't think there's ever, I don't, I, for adults as well, I don't think there's a time, if it's reinforcing, like, is it important? Now, adults, it, it is very different, you know, obviously. Like, I, I you've heard of Dr. R. R. Douglas Greer. He's at Teachers College. He's a, a well-respected behaviorist. But he's all, even with adults, he'll say, I was giving a workshop to a group of teachers trying to teach them this one technique. He, goes, he said, what's the reinforcement? What's the punishment? I said, it's just a workshop. He said, no, no, it's not going to work. But what kind of rewards are you going to get at the end of this? Or what kind of punishment? I said, I'll, I'll have to think about this, you know. I was working with, again, another person that, I was having a hard time with certain kind of stereotypic behavior. He says, why does she like to eat? Can you withhold? Well, no, I can't do that. There, yeah, mm -hmm. Theoretically, it works. You can look on the literature and there are ways in which you can reinforce and punish behaviors. But I think, if you look, right. at, look at people that have significant addictions, how they were able to change and find a whole new life for themselves. I think if parents mm -hmm. want to change a behavior, they can't. One mother told me that her daughter leaves clothes all over the place. Like, literally, you can have a tray out to her room. She goes, he said, it's all older. What do you do? She said, you know, I was telling you the other night, before she went to the concert, you're not going to have anything to wear to the concert. I'm thinking, concert? No, no concert. Right. She should earn the concert. Like, if they, mm -hmm. I believe that all, I mean, it sounds extreme, but most things should be earned. If, if you have difficulty yeah, with a child, that, then make them earn those things. Don't just give them things yeah, non-contingently. Okay. Because you see things written that talk about, you know, you don't want to take the things that are part of their everyday life and make the kids right. learn it because then it becomes something that maybe they, they get turned off to True. at some point. What do you, what's your answer? I think that's a, good, that's, that's a good point. Everyday things. I don't want to pull the rug out from under them because, again, I always tell the parents, you know, you did this. I'm going to say it that way. But you taught them this behavior. Right, right. Like, like some kids want gifts every time the parents go somewhere or, or yeah. bring home toys yeah. and they say, I can't believe he wants everything. Well, I said, well, you started out that way. He never, he didn't come into the mm -hmm. world thinking I need to get something every time. I get. So I think right. I wouldn't take away, I would never pull the rug out from kids. I think they need to have some dependence, but I think there are extra things. So I ask parents, what are some extra things that they get? Like tickets, to, expensive tickets to a concert. I think that's yeah. good. Or going out and with your friends or something like that. Or, or there's so many things if they wrote down that are extra. And I never take it away. Like even stupid things like, more time on the computer and all that. Don't take it away from right. them, but add additional time on. So the more you mm -hmm. add the reinforcer, kids are willing to accept that. If they know you're firm, the parents don't always agree on that either. That's the other problem. So what you're saying, don't take it away. So if like there was the computer was an incentive for them and behaviors continue to, to kind of uh, just get worse and worse. And some parents say, well, I'm gonna take right. the computer exactly. away and lock it up for yeah. them from them until they earn it back. Right. How do you look at that? I think that? that one, it's very difficult to earn those things back. And I think there are many kids that give up. A lot of kids will say, fine, I won't do anything. Then I don't necessarily believe it leads to depression, but at least the kids who are unwilling to try because it seems so arbitrary and capricious. No matter what I do, I'm not going to get it. You're going to take stuff away anyhow. A kid told me, I'm not going to work right. on any rewards because no matter what I get, they're going to take away. No matter what, they take it away. So I think we have to be very careful about taking things away. 
I'm not big on. So removal. you're talking like one once earned, taking away. It's like my, it's like garnishing someone's pay. You know, yeah. I, I I feel right. that way. I think once you earn it, that's yours. You cannot. It's called response costs. It's a technical agree. term, but I don't agree with that. So mm -hmm. you can always find something extra. You ask them. Yeah. I'd say, and I think it's perfectly reasonable, especially for adolescents. Listen, you know that when things are not going well, we got and, and you spend disproportionate amount of time on the computer. What are some other things that you could earn if you engage in some behavior and keep them simple? The other thing is, once you set up that program, you better make sure they earn it. Some parents have these programs that you cannot possibly earn something. It takes forever. So the kids say, why bother trying? It's just too much. So, sure, it's just too Yeah, long. so I right. give up. I give, try three days. I didn't get the reward. They'll say, oh, keep on trying. You'll get it. No, no, no. They, they're done. Right. I mean, there's there's no reason for them to keep no. wanting something if they know they're right. going to lose it or if it's just going to take me a year to get yep. it. You know. Forget it. Forget it. Well, I think right. that's another major flaw in a lot of behavioral programs, not criticizing people, but the programs. They don't have enough for the rewards early on. So it should be continuous reinforcement early on and then fade it out. Uh, they don't do mm -hmm. that. They just, they wait. They're, they're very stingy with the reinforcement, you know. Uh, you need yeah. to bombard them early on. Give them as much as you possibly can. Well, that's what I learned Verbally, from you. too. That's you know, what I learned from you. Verbally is what... Right, both. I think the verbal is the one you want to keep with even when you get rid of it. That's what parents say, am I going to have to give them things? I said, over time, I mean, this is a big debate, intrinsic versus extrinsic. Does yes, it necessarily right. become? I don't know. Uh, the data is equivocal. Mm -hmm. However, I do know uh, that if you increase your approval rate, you can get rid of some of those tangible rewards. I actually did a study with one of my students where over a 10-week period of time, we reduced the tangible rewards, increased the approval rate, and the kid's behavior was great. Stayed the same. Really? And that, that, that answers a question mm -hmm. that I did want to ask that question because I've talked about that with parents too. You know, <clears throat> it's the tangible, but then we want to work exactly. our way to just the verbal at some point. Or you know, a hug or a pat right. on the back or something like that, a high five, thumbs up, things like that that don't cost the parent. Right, no, right. And when you, <laughs> right. and when you give the tangible, you just have to smile and say something and thumb. And that's sometimes people just give okay, but charging the rewards and just giving a reward. No. It's gotta be coupled with nonverbal reinforcement. Adults change their behaviors. I mean I have students in my course and they they pick a behavior they're gonna change for themselves and they change mm -hmm. it, either as a parent yeah. or teacher, but Many of times it's themselves. They want to change your exercise habits. They can change it if the reward is powerful enough. I feel like I've gotten good good results mm -hmm. with certain yeah. kids that are, you know, pretty pretty involved in their um, OCD right, or fine, repetitive yeah. uh, behaviors. And, um, you know, some of the ones that I've come across that are the self-injurious mm -hmm. behaviors, those can be really That's challenging, hard. you know. Mm -hmm. um, one one of my clients was constantly biting his hand and he just got this big, you know, it's a scar yeah, right. basically yeah. at this point. All the tissue's been bitten up. Um, trying to, he's gotten better though at just grabbing a chew object that's, yeah, and that's, putting it in his mouth. Yeah. So, so he's gotten better, but he was never into wearing things around mm -hmm. his neck, but he liked to have the things in his hand and that's fine. Strong kid. I mean, he can well, just rip those. Yeah, no, right, that's it, yeah. The jaw is so strong. Um, and, uh, you know, so I feel like there was, because he was like 17, mm. 18 doing mm. this. And so, you know, when, when you can have the ability to connect, I feel like that's, you know, where it has to start. You have to develop that relationship Good, you know, with, with I agree. Student, right, that right. trust. Because a lot, of the, a lot of the interventions for kids that you're discussing uh, tend to be punitive. A lot of mm -hmm. overcorrection. So a kid that's hitting someone, they make him hit a pillow for 20 times, or uh, they make him kick something. I have a funny story. The kid, not far from where I live, actually, 
uh, the parents wanted. He was kicking his brothers, punching his brothers. So I said, you know, they'll try this overcorrection. It works, you know, not to hurt him. Just if he's going to hit them, then he has to hit a pillow 10 times. Whatever. Mm -hmm. They say it wasn't going to work. I was driving by the house and out on the, uh, by the garbage was a gigantic Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> he loved to kick. I pulled over and said, get that inside out. <laughs> do yes. not throw that away. That's valuable. <laughs> Have them every time he wants to do that, kick him. Kick him. And now he mm -hmm. went to this playground that my kids were involved in when they were in like high school. And uh, they, they thought all my interventions made no sense. But they said, it's working. Yeah. It's wor He's like not kicking kids in some of them. It's mm -hmm. really working. But I think yeah. that you yeah. know, like so it's basically you take something you like and you make it aversive. You want to kick, fine. Now you're gonna to have to kick. You're gonna to to kick more than you want to kick. And I think that's the mm -hmm. same thing. There's been really good research on the overcorrection, but it's yeah. hard to do yeah, without it. hurting it's, them. Yeah, it's hard to do without the hurting kids. Them. Sometimes the parents will grab their arm and make them hit, or they'll hit the, one kid in one school. Mm -hmm. School use it was parents' condition, obviously. The pillow had no more fluff in it, you know? If the idea is that you want to hurt, it's going to get, you're going to engage in repetitive behavior where it becomes annoying. Yeah. Right, but you want it to be... When you see parents, like years ago, the, the kids spilled milk, which was ridiculous. They make them clean the table for three days, you know? Uh, okay, he won't spill milk, but he won't eat anything for the rest of his life with you two. Uh, but, uh, that becomes, uh, Teach you to spill milk. <laughs> but that's it. So that they'll say, like, I don't want to punish kids. I mean, the ratio is always like four to one, but I, that doesn't mean you have to use that one. You can be very reinforcing. Again, the quickest way to stop right. a behavior is punishment. And punishing is yeah. a loud no or a loud stop is fine, or an aversive noise. Uh, mm -hmm. there, there are kids that respond to that. And people, one family that uses a, a, what they do with dogs, quite frankly, they'll shake a can oh, yeah. with coins in it and it bothers him. Then he stops biting himself. Stops. So you have to decide, is that worth it? It is worth it for them. And he stopped the behavior over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't see that as abusive. I see that as something that legitimately... Right. And I think those are kids that know. need a full medical evaluation, which, by the way, I think mm -hmm. every kid needs. Uh, I'm, I'm so tired of uh, trying to convince people to get a full... I think a developmental pediatrician is the go-to person uh, because neurologists, psychiatrists, you know... If all, you, if, you know, if all you have is a hammer, everything becomes a nail. I think they see it through their lens. Yeah. So behavioral pediatricians are remarkably good at this. I see kids that I, I, I recommended at a five, nothing, seven, whatever. By the time they're nine, no one knows what's the story. But you need that information as, as baseline. There are some kids that need mm -hmm. medication, to be sure. There are some kids that need certain kinds of interventions, to be sure. Uh, without that information, I don't know where to go. The first thing I always ask parents right. is, can I see the evaluation? If not... Can you go to places that I recommend to get a full evaluation? It should be a team. I think a hospital or a university setting are best. Individual practitioners might be great, but you don't get that a thorough evaluation and ongoing. But that's mm -hmm. critical. So I know, there are yeah. some kids I know that really should have been on medication and weren't. Uh, and as a result of that, the behavioral intervention were terrible. And the kids hurt themselves, too. How do you think schools do as information centers for parents in order to be able to guide yeah. them? you know, in these directions, like if there's, if they're feeling like medication is involved, do you recommend that to a parent or do you just good, recommend? Good question. Yeah, that's a good, I happen so often. I'm, 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 as a consultant, I was involved. Generally, I mean, always teachers cannot recommend medication. The right, best right. you can do, parents will say, you think he needs medication or they would go speak to your pediatrician. Speak to the pediatrician is the first line of defense. 
explain everything. You know, we can share with them if you'd like, give reports, whatever, but they, they're the ones that will lead you in another direction. doesn't always work out that way. Right. Some pediatricians do it themselves, which is not a great idea. Uh, but they'll see the kid and they'll say, oh, I think he needs to be put on medication. But a pediatrician should okay. not be the one who does that. That should be either be a psychiatrist, neurologist, or developmental pediatrician. I would prefer the last one. But without that information, you don't know what you do. I've, I've looked at evaluations and said, you know, this kid has three other things. This should have been dealt with earlier on with other things. Uh, I know a kid that was on medication for ADHD when it turned out it had a thyroid problem. The psychiatrist called me up and said, it was at a PTA meeting. My mother asked me, do I know anyone? I love this guy. And I said, go to him. And he calls me up. He said, you know he had a thyroid problem? I said, it was a PTA meeting. <laughs> All I did was give your name. I don't know anything about him. He said, about you. <laughs> he said they have a family history of thyroid and it manifests itself in ways that look very similar to ADHD. He doesn't need Riddle. He doesn't need this stuff. He needs medication. And years later, he did fine. Yeah. I've had it with kids, LD versus ADHD, behavioral issues. So I, I don't feel comfortable as a full medical evaluation, even though most times they won't find, they're not going to find hard neurological signs and they treat the right. symptoms. But I think that's critical because you're going on mm -hmm. years and years and years. You know, you're lucky to see them when you're younger. But I had kids, even you mentioned adolescent, I had a kid that was 14, no, 14, what, he was getting his driver's, so 15 to 16, with mm -hmm. significant ADHD. I don't want him practicing around with ADHD. Mother said, I'm, I'm afraid, he's dangerous. He was on medication and it didn't work. I said, well, it's up to you, but I would not let him drive the car unless you had a full evaluation. Because a lot of good research on ADHD and adolescent drivers and accidents. Russell mm -hmm. Barkley, he's written extensively on that. At any rate, he went to this guy that I liked at North Shore, and he said, the kid's right. The medication that he was on when he was younger was ineffective. It wasn't sufficient enough. So I prescribed a set of medication at a higher dosage. So unless he took his medication, she wouldn't take him out. The mom wouldn't take him out to practice his car. It worked out fine. Oh, okay. He passed the test. He said, and, and he said, you know, it does make a difference. He didn't yeah, realize. It yeah. does make a difference. Do you find with uh, a lot of the, the neurological disabilities... Mm -hmm when you're approaching behavior um, assessments and things like that and the types of strategies, do you find a lot of overlap oh, within yeah. the oh, category? It's, it's pretty right? much... It's so interesting to me. I've, I've seen on yeah. a continuum. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And I, I think, they get, I don't want to use the word spectrum, but it is pretty much that. You can see kids how they... And you see some kids that get one diagnosis when they're seven, another one at nine, and they're 11, but it's, it's a similar right. kind of thing. We just don't know enough about it. We act like we know all about the brain, you know. Uh, we know very little in terms of just basic stuff, that, basic misconceptions. Uh, and the same mm -hmm. with medication. People think they know everything about medication. That's good. But I think, right. yes, I do find that. All, I find it frequently. And you find strategies can be effective for the different types right. of... Right. Exactly. That's why that. I, years ago, I used to be so averse to like a, a book for reading, this, reading interventions for students with learning disabilities. Why not just reading interventions, you know? Uh, that it doesn't matter if it's a learning disability. You look at the problem, you assess it, you see what the child needs, and then you provide a re remedy. But that's true behaviorally as well. Because in the past, people used to think these behavioral interventions were just for the most severely disabled. This guy, Ogden yeah. Lindsay, who uh, I guess he maybe two, three or four years ago, passed away, a leader in the field. He was one of two people that were trained by Skinner and applied it to people outside of the lab setting. And he said that every time he was called in the school, uh, they gave him kids that did extreme behaviors uh, that were defecating in the classroom or throwing stuff on the wall. And those are the only kids he saw. So he decided no longer is he going to do that. He's going to get into a school of education, not into the psych department. 
and then from there he went to the University of Kansas and did groundbreaking research on basic behaviors in the classroom that are that intervention that anyone can use, not just the most severely disabled. Because I find that kids with mild disabilities, it's a behavior, so they, they call the parents or they have some other ridiculous intervention. They right. need a behavior plan. I think every kid needs yeah. a behavior plan, but every kid in special education be, should have a behavior plan. We, we talked about yeah, that. Yeah, I should walk in a classroom and say, what's your plan? They look, oh, oh. no, I need yeah. to have a plan. And there, were, and there were teachers that were adverse yeah. to it. They, like, they didn't believe no, in it. No, no. And it amazed me because I always felt like every student needs the most basic right. behavior right. plan. Um, and I'm not even talking special needs. Oh, I mean, uh, a no. behavior plan in a classroom is, I think, just a smart thing to right. do, you know, incentivizing kids. I mean, they're... To me, that's right. I see more people doing yeah. that. And you see, it's interesting because you see adults doing it. Like, you think of athletic, some sports more so than others, but these guys that are making a fortune, they still get mm -hmm. all kinds of bonuses and make the rewards yeah. and verbal signing bonuses. And they get rewarded for doing what's their job, essentially, uh, in many cases. Right. But that, if you can use it, I'm most surprised that it's used more out in businesses than it is used in schools where most of the basic research started. I know people like, used to work in job market has changed dramatically. But they, when they got X number of sales, they, they were given vacations and bonuses and all this other stuff. Meanwhile, right. in school, the kid wasn't even getting 10 minutes free time. Mm -hmm. The rewards are given. I guess in my class, I asked teachers to look at, like, oh, this week, the kinds of interactions you have that you were rewarded for. Something as simple as, like, punching the card at, you know, 16 handles. Uh, uh, I lost the card. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> but but those things are rewards. They're incentives that get you to do engage in appropriate behavior. You know they don't have to do that, but they do that. They, uh, there are some stores. They always ask you to write up something about people, your reviews, and there are stores right. that will give those workers really good rewards. And people say well, that's the job they should do it. Now all of us benefit from reinforcement. You, you have to, I think, serious psychopathology if you kind of can't accept praise and rewards. It always seemed to me like the most basic, simple route to success yeah. for any right. business is to incentivize your employees and to give them positive right. feedback when something's done well. Build them up and not roll, uh -huh. rule over them. You know, some of the people no. on power trips, it's like, and then you get such poor performances. Right. And that's everywhere. You know, I yeah. just don't understand. That's the thing. There's, these behavior principles applied so much in the outside world. I mean, yes. the, uh, the, uh, years ago, with, they were getting annoyed at people that said, going into the grid when you're driving. So they would have police officers or tra whatever they were called at that point. I think they were police officers. If you stayed behind the grid, it was the holiday season, they gave you a button, I stayed behind the grid. And they came up to the car. When they came up to the car, they said, whoa. Uh, but they were, yeah, re I mean, that sounds so ridiculous, reinforcing, but that's what they did. In, in Rockland County, you know what? It makes... It makes you happy right. in that moment. It's like a nice right. surprise. In Rockland County, there was an intersection. You had silly all kinds of be. accidents. People were bad accidents. Nothing worked. Mm -hmm. They tried all kinds of traffic things. They decided if someone stops, the cop would pick up and give them a reward, like McDonald's group. And people in town donated tons of stuff. Within a month, it was gone. Wow. People were caught being good. I mean, that's... And now, you say that, why can't you do it in a classroom? They're doing in the traffic stuff. You know, that's what frustrates yeah. you many times. That These are... Really well developed principles that have been proven over time. It needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And that, most people do it. Most teachers are reinforcing and realize you are. Right. But once in a while, you wonder, like, how come it's not? Well, I think it too needs to be stressed by the administration as important as you know, the academics and, and the other goals. I think it needs to be on par, Agreed. you know, and given the same amount of attention. 
like even in even school when you go to get your degree to be mm -hmm. a teacher i think it needs to be i mean you know when you're a special in special ed studying that then you're going to focus on behaviors right, to some right. degree um never enough typically until no, no, you get right. into the classroom when you're dealing with this exactly. live you know that's why i benefit so much from you when you came after no. i was already a teacher for a few years because i had seen now you know, and I had experiences that I could actually yeah. relate. Yeah, it makes sense. I know it's always hard when you're not actually there. It's and I don't think you'll never see kids right. like that. You know, I'll be fine. I'll be in yeah. charge, whatever. You know. Don't show your teeth till January. Right. Don't smile at them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one's ever going to attack me or bite me. Yeah, or kick exactly. Me or, so yeah, me. Never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Uh, <laughs> we have the scars to prove it. Exactly. <laughs> but you know what teachers used to tell me, and I haven't, I haven't heard this in a while, but they say, yeah, this sounds fine, you know. I'm going to catch them when they're good. I'm going to give all of you. But no one does that for me. So like right. you said, exactly what you yeah. say. If the administration doesn't do it for them, why should they do it? They have to model that behavior. Like they, that, that, that's a question. To model that appropriate behavior, being kind and caring, being understanding, uh, being empathetic. Yeah. And that people will follow through on that. Not everyone. Mm -hmm. You know, the problem no, is, you know, I've, one of the things that's hard to me is, to focus on the person that's not listening and not doing this stuff and not when meanwhile 80 percent are doing it i've gotten over that for the most part it's still in the back of my mind but like go with the people that are we try show them that it works even something as simple as right. co-teaching a lot of people aren't thrilled mm -hmm. with that but if you start right because they don't want to share this exactly so so if right. you can reinforce that behavior show them that it works and you pick the people that are well respected then they will get people to do it over time but that's hard to do. Well, that's what I always enjoyed about your sessions, what you could give to, you know, um, workshops or whatever, like, you know, speak to the staff after, after school or something like that. For an, <laughs> you'd call the people out and weren't paying that's attention. That's punitive. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they, right now, well, when I'm asked to come to school, I want to find out, like, are they predisposed to us or are they just think it doesn't work? Or, you know, otherwise, yes, right. you know, it's not worth it. It's not, it's worth, not worth it. For it the yeah. point. And it, one or two people might want to do that, but unless you're in a system that reinforces it, because it is hard. There's no question. Yeah. And I have students complain well, about I, that all the time. They'll tell me, I want to carry this out, but I get no support. And I found that to oh, me, yeah. too. I mean, you know, I was to the point where I was actually offering to help. And right. Yeah, I know. And I'd be like, you know, it's not about me. I'm like, I want to help right, these people, right. you know, and help these kids, yeah. and it'd be great. Um, I remember going to a, a, a convention, and uh, I walked into your lecture wearing a hat, and in front of the entire auditorium, you called me out for wearing a hat, and I just thought that was the greatest thing. <laughs> I was like, he knows That's me. Right. <laughs> I was joking. I wouldn't do that. Seriously. Oh, I know. It's, it's hysterical. <laughs> I, I thought it was great. It's yeah. always nice when you give a workshop and someone you know is there. Because <laughs> it's anxiety-provoking. It is. Like, you know, I can imagine. Yeah, I mean, I give you a lot of. I have a funny story. When I think it's funny, uh, so I was speaking at about three hundred people at some hotel in Suffolk County. I forget the topic even, uh, but the person before we went, did she? I knew a lot of the people. She, they know your resume. They know your CV. They know just what you do. Right. Tell me what your hobbies are. I'll tell, I'm thinking. I froze. And I was like, <laughs> I'm a loser. I have no hobbies. <laughs> I like. This is. I like. I'm not going to say I like to read and run. No, I. I. Uh, you know. <laughs> I this is what I like well, to do. The next segment of this interview, because so, that's what so I was the next. Ask. So now I'm up. I'm before having to give this big keynote. I'm like frozen. I got through it. But I I, I called my daughters and they're like, tell, "Tell me what my hobbies. Are. Tell me what things I do that are not related to school." What you know, do I come do? On. Like I have no hobbies. You know, I do. Did you come up with? I run. No, no. Have... I like ice cream and I run. But I you know. But I I like <laughs> doing this. I mean, I don't. You know, I don't. I, I guess I yeah. should at some point, because people say that, especially at my age, you can get some hobby. But, you know. 
hey, as long as you enjoy it. I'm, I've just like my grandchildren, and that keeps me. That's, <laughs> that's, that's your hobby, my, right? That's great. Is really, I can that's wonderful. Me. Yeah, I, I, I thought after 30 years in the classroom and coming out of it, I, I might be looking to go somewhere else. And then when the pandemic right. happened, I kind of had to like, you know, kind of step back and do what I mm -hmm. knew. Um, it's grown a whole new appreciation. You know, there's this other side right, of it right, now that right, I'm really right. enjoying. And so I, I'm sticking with it because I'm, in, I, I'm really enjoying this subject. Just like when behavior itself was appealing to mm -hmm. me, when I noticed right, as a right, young teacher, right. like the behavior aspect was, was interesting. And um, I won't keep you much longer. I, yeah, I've had you for a long time and I appreciate, I really do appreciate it. One thing I want to ask, I think that parents might be interested in is, you know, how long, when you implement mm -hmm. a strategy, how long do you kind of give it before you feel like, you know, I mean, one, the parent has to be right. doing consistently. If let's say everything is in place and a parent is following through, if a strategy or a plan you have isn't working, how long, which is there? Kind yeah, of an right. that's an excellent question. First of all, I need baseline. I need to know what the behavior is beforehand because I don't know. Like some people want people to make radical change. If a kid is one of the big things, non-compliance, like he doesn't listen to me the first time I ask. Well, right. find, can you like pick a half hour and see how often that happens? If he's never listening to you in a week, he's not going to be always listening to you. So I need to know what the behavior is now. Then there are reasonable goals. Typically, the, behavior, the negative behavior increases before it gets better. So as you introduce the reinforcement, say, I have baseline for a week, sure. let's say. And then I try, it gets worse. And then you get a phone call like, it's worse. It's better before you can. Uh, yeah. I say at least two weeks, but I monitor those parents every week. So we're, and I ask them mm -hmm. to write down exactly. I, I'm very fond of ABC charts, you know, antecedent behavior consequence, so I can see what it is. Mm -hmm. Like when I meet with parents, I don't want just a vague conversation. I want to look at something. I don't want to like just stick to that. I want to talk to them, but I want to give them information. When I leave, they can carry something out because I, I, it's a lot of money and commitment to them. And I feel obligated to give them something that they can use. Uh, and if they feel that they can't do it or I can't do it, you know, then I, we stop. But I mean, within, right. within a, two weeks after baseline, you should see some change. If not, then you have to change things. So that's the other thing you mentioned before, modify it doesn't mean that this is going to work for sure. This, we're going to try this out, but we may need to tweak it right. a little and sometimes change it a lot. Entirely. Yeah, and right that's, that, and that's, yeah. that's really what a good behavioral plan is, to introduce something, observe the behavior that follows it, and then make a decision based upon that. If it increases it, right. great. One, if it decreases it, great. One that's not written in some Right, right, so right, right, exactly. To it. Right. You know, for, for teachers, we talked about some teachers being into behavior others not so you know for somebody who's in the industry whatever you know there's so many aspects of it, it doesn't have to be a classroom mm -hmm. teacher but someone in, in the anyone in the field like is there something that you feel like you've seen that you wish people would stop doing and and something that you wish people would start doing yeah. more um i think i, I think i lose before i think i think yeah decrease the negative comments and uh, mm -hmm. try to increase your reinforcement try to try to, try to look at the kid i mean seriously like catch them when you catch them when they're good that was done a study yeah. In 1962, they put a strip of paper across a kindergarten teacher's desk and said, catch them when they're good. It was one of the first studies that was published in Journal of Applied Behavior Analysis. And that's all. Instead of catching them when they're not good or when they're inappropriate, they catch them. And that increased all the appropriate behaviors. And I think yeah. that's people need to be trained to do that. But you need to be trained to do that because you're not inclined yes. to just do that. There was a study. I'm in mean, a big class, like 50 kids in a class. And this one kid was off task 80% of the time. 
They had it. This was done through Kansas University. They had an experimenter sit in the back of the room and hold up a green card every time the kid was on task. Because the kid, teacher couldn't catch him. It was so infrequent. Every time the yeah. green card looked, the teacher ran over, prayed that like, we look fine. Within two weeks, right. they flipped that around. So you had to be yeah. trained to kind of look for the good. Good for the good. Again, it's funny because we had that. Uh, I forget who implemented, but we had that, like the, the red. Right, and I know that one. Yeah, on yeah, the yeah, desk, yeah. And you'd walk around and you could quietly yes. then just walk up to a desk and just yes, point yes, at it. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Reinforcement yeah. without the word. Do you think that is that similar to what uh, you're talking this about? This is more for. No, I'm not big fan of that particular one because people tend to focus too much on negative. This is one if I'm, if I'm cueing right. teachers right. in to catch the kid when they're good. Like you, you mentioned, mm -hmm. you used the term before, like there were missed opportunities for reinforcement. If you watch a kid for a half hour, they do many, many things that are good, but then no one's saying anything about it. Yeah, I see that right. when I used to go to bagel places and I stay away, uh, I'd see <laughs> these people sitting around, parents talking to the, each other for them, let's say. And there are little guys there playing around, being fine, perfectly fine. They're like preschoolers. Then it's like right. 20 minutes, long time. They're like running around ransacking the place because all the chips are eye level. And, and then the parents start <laughs> screaming at them, like, get over here, you're not going to. Yeah. Once I made the mistake of telling parents, you know, for 20 minutes, they were perfectly fine. And no one said a word. Mm -hmm. I can't repeat what the mother said to me. Uh, I was going to yeah. say, did she buy uh, no, you a bagel? No, or did she you throw the bagel But she was, she was yeah. angry. You know? And I'm giving it up. I'm giving, yeah. I'm giving advice in bagel sauce. Uh, but, but, but the truth <laughs> is, so often fun. there are missed opportunities for reinforcement. And I think yeah. that's that's what I would like people to focus more on. They're trying to see those positive behavior. Even, you know, the, the term shaping. He may not do what you right. want, but if you break it down to small components, you can chip away at that. And I think... We wait right. for the final product. I mean, that, that's a problem, too. Do you think that's one of the biggest things that you've learned to appreciate, that that exact thing that you were just talking about, catching them doing Yeah, and I think that, like that's yeah, I, it is. And I, I, I try to live my life the way I'm afraid my wife does the same thing. We see people doing something appropriate. We, we make a point of mm -hmm. saying something. And we, we write right. letters to, you know, always, you know we're not going to write negative comments and, and yelp or something like that you know uh like I, but if something's done positive we do write about that we call up and i think to recognize when people engage in positive behavior uh yeah one is that you appreciate it and two you should let them know about it because you, know, you don't mm -hmm. know it, some people just don't recognize it. and a lot of people especially public they have so much negative feedback you know right there there's one thing that i started getting into and this is the last, last thing I'll talk about and then I'll let you go. But, um, you know, the idea of mindful parenting, yeah, I was trying to yeah, introduce the yeah. parents, you know, that given that opportunity, you know, Victor Frankl, you know, stimulus right, right. response and, um, you know, taking that time, I mean, just myself to, to start to live life more mm -hmm. that way. Do you have any thoughts about mindful parenting it's, when it comes I, to I, that? Yeah, really, I like, find it hard. I do yeah, find it hard. Yeah. yeah. I, find it hard. Mm -hmm. I find it hard to understand some examples of it. And I find it hard mm -hmm. to carry that out. But I know that yeah. I think I, I'm yeah. afraid that people try it out. They do it in a very superficial manner, you know, and but I think to think hard about what you do with the parent. I mean, it's, a, it's the most one of the most difficult jobs you have. So I think that I will say if people put as much time into parenting as they do through the job, kids will be fine. But I see no. parents that I knew that were more obsessed with their work or one mother told them was like, I just need to go do other things or I like the gym. And, uh, if they stay the same right. commitment to being an effective parent. And the parents are not provided with too much information out there either. Like, 
No, like their, that, their parents that don't tell them the truth. What it was like to raise kids? They they lie. <laughs> <laughs> you, they never have kids if they told them the truth. Just uh, <laughs> basic the physical demands. I think I feel it. Some of my parents are shocked. I know I was younger. Yeah. Really, they have to be fed every two hours. You serious? Uh, like a lot of <laughs> physical things, you know. That that and I think so. Yeah. I think you provide provided more information. But you know, go to the parenting section of any bookstore, if they still have bookstores and libraries. It's mm-hmm. they're inundated with information that can't be supported by evidence. Like everything's right. some new right. little thing that people try out, or someone's giving a TED mm-hmm. talk on it, and people, and you know, if it right. gets them started, well, the, fine. Right. The way I looked at the mindful parenting was obviously, again, as you were saying, it needs the commitment, right. and really looking at the situation without. Losing right. And I think it's moment, good. I right? think that's how we judge everything. You're just in the, right. I do believe it. I need to work on this, like be in the moment. Like not right. Different. And that's just, that's, the, that's, that's the exactly, crux, that's exactly. The yeah. yeah. That's yeah. the crux of it. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I just feel like it's, it's something that maybe is a way through to parents and, and also a way for parents to be able to kind of go easy on themselves. Yeah. And they, maybe they, they, yeah. they can accept, beat right. They can up. accept this, you know, and you know, yeah. as well as I, a lot of the parents get such negative input from their families. I know oh, some gosh, kids, absolutely. there are some mothers, again, the kids have multiple disabilities, but they would not go to any holiday events because everyone around the table had advice for them. Well, exactly. And they said, forget yes. it. It's just too much. I can't deal with this. And I had one parent, the mom, she, she loved her son. And he was, you know, he had ED and he had some real, real challenges and she was, you know, beside herself, but she had different advice. And anybody who told her one thing, she would change. Whoever said something to her, she would go that way. Then it could be an, uh, the next day, somebody else. She had no ability to really hold on to herself, mm-hmm. you know, and do what she felt was the right thing to do. And it, I, I can imagine it's hard. that it's got to be really difficult. There might be a sense of inadequacy, right. you know, because you just can't right, get beyond exactly. certain behaviors, you know. And I just want parents to, to just to know that, they're human, and that it's like you know what the best you can do is the exactly. best you can do, and it's okay. And you they'll know? seek they'll it's seek okay. advice from anybody. People will do that because they're desperate. Yes. I remember right. saying to one mother, right. "You're paying me to do this, and you listen to the guy in the line in the bagel store for the behavior." <laughs> right. But I can see why. You know, you're desperate. You know, because yeah. the kid's there running around. The guy says, "Here's what you should do." You know, it works. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. I, I I think that's the one thing I, I underscore yeah. in any of these positions that. You really appreciate the difficulty those parents have and how hard it is. I try to stress it to them every it's time. Just, you know, there's, I, there's I think no when you appreciate that, they, they're more willing to try things too. They, I think because so a lot too. of people don't. And, and admit, I'm not a parent. Mm-hmm. I've never had to deal with that situation. But well, years ago, uh, first started teaching. One guidance counselor said, "You won't know what it's like when you have a kid." And I was furious at that. I don't believe that. Right. To see that right. situation and be able to empathize with it, I don't think that you necessarily have better children. Yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, the fact is that I had so many kids through the years. Right. I, I've been through the wars. Right, and you said very specific. And you work with wide range. And you work with kids that had significant difficulties. It wasn't just a rather easy to really be committed and devoted and dedicated to them, which you were. Well, I appreciate that. And it was something that, you know, just gave me such an education about once I went into the homes. To right, see it is, it is unreal, like yes. So, um, Anyway, I, you know, there, I could go on. Really, I could talk to you for like two more hours about this stuff. But, you know, I want to have you back on if you don't mind. And because uh, sure. I'm really interested in your book on bullying as mm-hmm. well. I'd yeah, like that's how we love to talk about bullying. And um, 
you know, and if there's any follow up questions, but I'm going to, you know, I'll ask the audience if they have any questions too, if I can bring them on next Great. time, but maybe we can do this again in the I near would future. Like that a lot. Um, but I am so grateful. No, no, I, I just enjoy that we're reconnecting really. Absolutely. It's just been so great to spend this time with you. I mean, the last time we were together, we got in trouble <laughs> at, a, at a conference. I told you the person <laughs> apologized. Talking. I told you that. Yeah. Yes, I know. That was crazy. But anyway, I thank you so much. My it's pleasure. Been a pleasure. My pleasure. And um, I just keep doing what you're doing because, you know, you you gave me so much, so many tools. And, I, you know, I feel like I've been able to pass them oh. on to people. And I know that they're rooted in what you told me. That's very kind of you. Thank you. Really grateful. I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. If you'd like to contact Dr. McNamara with questions, or if you have an event you would like him to speak at, or if you're interested in hiring him as an educational and behavioral consultant, you can reach him via his email, barrymcnamara14 at gmail.com. I'll add his contact to the information page of my website. And don't forget to check out his book, Keys to Dealing with Bullies. I want to thank you again for listening to this episode, and I hope you'll join me each week to hear about topics close to your heart and welcome fresh and informative insights into areas that are new to you. It's an honor to have you tune in and a pleasure to share with you. All music heard on today's show comes from Jason Shaw at audionautics.com. Remember to follow me on Instagram at Special Ed Rising, Facebook at Special Ed Rising, and on my website, specialedrising.com. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. And tell your friends. You can contact me directly with questions, comments, or if you're interested in parent coaching, through my email, specialedrising at gmail.com, or my contact pages on Facebook or my website. I would love for you to share some of your stories, which I can add to the community page of my website. And with your permission, I'd love to share them with my audience. Also, let me know if there's anything you'd like to learn more about. And until next time, peace and keep rising. (music) 